This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Friday, um, I have Fridays off, so me and the boys and, and Laura, we all went to SeaWorld. Yes, we braved going to SeaWorld. We went to the Aquatica part, which is, you know, the water rides and all that sort of stuff. So at least we're a little bit cool, but it wasn't that bad. Um, and then yesterday happened and it was excessive heat. So I'm glad we went on Friday and not on Saturday. Um, but I think it was, uh, maybe it wasn't in the triple digits, but it felt like it. It was one of those feels like whatever, and it was pretty hot. Now, I was able to experience uh, a little bit of a, a breeze and maybe even some um, drizzle as I walk in the evenings. I'm able to, to walk now again because I can wear closed-toed shoes again, and so I'm back on my regiment of, of walking at night. And I think I might have told you all this, but whenever I'm walking at night, I listen to books. And so I have to say that, make that disclaimer, because when I say, oh, I'm reading this book or this whatever, Laura makes a quick correction. She's like, you're not reading it. You're listening to it. I was like, it's the same thing. Um, but anyway, so I'm getting through all these books um, by listening to them. But I've really come across Stephen King and not the, the horror um, aspect of it, but he is a phenomenal writer. And I am going through these books and, and consuming all of this, and it's just amazing. And what I find that I, I can connect with whatever character, so whatever stage of life that they're in, um, if they're young or you know, middle-aged or, or older, whatever the case is, the last one I finished was um, dealing with a retired detective so he was uh, in his mid-60s or so um, approaching 70 and so but all of this I can connect with these characters he writes these characters so well that I can connect with them and the thing is like how does he do this so well how can I connect with them so quickly and some of the things that he's saying in here it's like man I experienced that too and I never told anybody about that like is he writing this for me and that's the way it feels all the time and I don't think I'm alone in this and so I just marvel at how great of an author he is and so I consume these books as as regularly as I possibly can now I don't want to give you the wrong impression so I am not just a person who only reads the Bible. I do read the Bible, of course. I'm not a person that only reads novels. Um, and so whenever I'm reading this, whenever I'm reading this and walking, um, and, I, and I come back after my shower, I don't um, retire to the study and put on my smoking jacket and right by the, the fire in the wingback chair with the leather-bound book smelling of rich mahogany. I don't do that. Now, that would be nice, but that's what I've seen. But that's not really what happens. After I um, take my shower and everything and I relax, I'm watching TV, just like pretty much anybody else does. And yes, I am um, on those streaming services and all that sort of stuff. So I, I do watch movies. I do watch dramas, um, cooking shows, all that sort of stuff. Even though I don't cook that much, I do enjoy the competition and stuff. But then what I really like, what I find over and over that I come back to is sitcoms. 
And specifically, I look at the ones that I really enjoyed growing up. So um, Friends, I look at Friends, of course. Seinfeld, I go back to over and over again. Um, Frasier, Love Frasier, and The Office. So there's some other newer stuff that I look at, but I always come back to those things. Because sometimes whenever you're consuming these um, series and you're, you're finished with the series and you're like, ugh, I've binge watched, oh my goodness, how, how long has it been? And, and then you're like, well, what do I do now? Well, let me just take a break and go back to seeing The Office or something. And one of the things I like about sitcoms is that I can, again, connect to these characters very easily and it seems to be kind of like I don't have to think too much about it. I can just kind of relax and veg out and, you know, not have to pay attention too much to it. And I'm not sure if you notice this about sitcoms. And I don't know if you know the, what sitcom is short for, but it's situational comedy. So don't say sitcom comedy because it's kind of redundant, kind of the department of redundancy department sort of thing. But with that, I find myself exhibiting a pattern and maybe you've caught this and maybe you haven't but with sitcoms you have pretty much the same main characters and then um, with within each episode there is some type of conflict or some type of adversity that they have to face and so there's that going on and then there's some resolution at the end and the characters they're all back to the beginning so there's kind of a cycle that happens. They start off just like any other time, and then they go through some type of adversity, and then there's some resolution, and then they're back where they started. And then the next episode happens over and over and over again. So no matter what season it's in, it's going to be the same type of thing. It's the same type of main characters. So you don't have to have caught up with everything. You can just watch one, and you're like, oh, okay, I kind of know what's going on. I don't have to have been watching every single season to know. So I think that that's good about it. <coughs> and I think that that's what really helps us. The other thing is it's, it's funny, but maybe to the character at the time, it doesn't seem funny. Like what they're going through, that adversity that they're going through, it, it's kind of funny for us to see it on the outside looking in, but that character doesn't know what's going on. We have the advantage of looking from the outside in, being the audience, being aware of certain things that they are not aware of, but at that time, at that place, they're not thinking about comedy. They're thinking probably, why is this happening again? Why am I in this situation again? That cycle over and over and over again. Now, I would love to say that that is something that only happens on sitcoms and that this cycle of things over and over and over again. But if we're honest with ourselves, we see that in our lives too. We really do. And we see it happening over and over. And sometimes we ask ourselves, why is this happening to me again? I thought I was over this or I thought I had accomplished this or whatever. And yet we find ourselves in the same situation over and over and over again. And I guarantee you when we find ourselves in that situation, comedy is the furthest thing from our mind. Now, maybe other people might tell us things like, oh, you might want to do this and you might want to do this or you need to do this to get out of this mess. And so it might seem helpful. It probably won't. But the thing is, they're seeing it from an outside perspective. And maybe even some other people are looking at our lives and saying, man, I can't believe they did that again. You know, and maybe they find humor in that, but we don't. 
We don't see that, that bigger picture. We don't see that cycle happening over and over again. But other people from the outside looking in might. Now, when we experience this, we might even ask ourselves not only why is this happening to me again or why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? We might ask that. But the other thing we might ask is why does it feel like we're not the main characters in our own story, in our own lives? So how can we move past that type of feeling that we're kind of stuck in this cycle, that we're, that we're just doomed to repeat our mistakes over and over again? And how can we get out of that feeling like we're letting life happen to us and that we're not even the main characters in our own story, in our own lives? How can we get past this? How can we get past this and into a willing response of God's calling in our lives? And this is the way I think about it, or maybe one way to think about it, is that we not only connect to main characters in books and movies and sitcoms, but we can also do this with characters in the Bible. And this week we conclude our sermon series entitled, Yes, You, by exploring the life of Gideon. Now, my hope and my prayer is that God will speak to each and every single one of us, in a very unmistakable, in a very particular way, so that in our journey through the book of Judges, we can find God's word for us. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Judges, there are 12 judges in there that, that, are, that are looked at here, and I'll mention just a couple of them. But in the book of Judges, similar to that of sitcoms, there's a pattern that emerges. There's a pattern that emerges. And so what we find, similar to that of the sitcom, first, we see this over and over again, but it starts this way. First, the people of Israel abandon God with some disbelief, and they worship some false god, and that's the beginning of the episode, if you will. And then God gets angry, and then, punishes the people. And then the people cry out for God's help. And after that, God raises up a deliverer or a judge. And finally, the people repent and turn back to God. But it's a cycle, so it starts all over again when the people of Israel fall back into sin and the cycle repeats. And we see this over and over and over again. And the main body of the book of Judges presents 12 judges or figures as leaders of Israel. Again, that 12, 12 um, families and 12 uh, tribes of, of Israel, that sort of stuff, 12 is a good number. Of those, some names might seem a little bit more familiar than others. And so I'll, I'll name some of those for you. Deborah, Gideon, who we'll talk about today, and Samson. Now today we look to the book of Judges in chapter 6 and 7 to see the life of the judge named Gideon. Just before our passage today, Deborah's time as a judge has led to a land having a rest of over 40 years. But it's a judge's cycle. So at some point, that has to end and the new judge and the new cycle begins. And that's where we pick up in chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't have it on there. Um, 
So Israel, <coughs> this is um, verse 1 in chapter 6. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed over Israel and became Midian and because of Midian, the Israelites provided for themselves hiding places in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. For wherever the Israelites put in seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, and they would encamp against them and destroy the, the produce of the land as far as the neighborhood of Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey, for they and their livestock would come up and would even bring their tents as thick as locusts. Neither they nor their camels could be counted. So they wasted the land as they came in. Thus Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian. And the Israelites cried out to God for help. So this is an account of the Israelites breaking into that cycle once again and God and God's goodness taking that for granted because they had had basically 40 years of peace. Everything's good. They maybe take that for granted. And then they start to think, eh, maybe I don't need to worship God the same way. I don't need to go all the time uh, to temple or I don't need to go all the time um, and do what I need to do, what God tells me to do. Um, so they start little by little abandoning God. And in response, we see the Lord giving the Israelites into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. This is their punishment. Now next, we see them crying out to God and God responding by calling a new judge, Gideon. And this is in verse 11 through 18. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Oprah, which belonged to Josiah or Joash, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress and, and to hide it from the Midianites. Again, every single time that they had something, the Midianites would come and they would take it. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, But sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? You find yourself in that, like, why is this happening to me? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted, saying, Do not the Lord bring us up of, out from Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. And then he said to him, If now I have found favor with you, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Do not depart from here until I come to you. And bring out my present and set it before you. So you see here, Gideon 
is right in the middle of the cycle of the judges. He's the one that is being raised up. He's the one that will deliver them from whatever oppression that they are currently experiencing. That's a big job. And he's never done anything like that. But again, God is God, and God will do what God is going to do with whoever God needs to do it with. So here, our unlikely hero emerges. And Gideon knows the desire, um, the situation of the Israelites. But this mighty warrior questions God. And so God commissions and assures him that he will do this because God will be with him. It is possible because God is with him. Not anything, no kind of, um, nothing that Gideon has done beforehand that kind of makes him be that person, that hero, that warrior. It has nothing to do with Gideon after all. It has everything to do with God. So Gideon obediently follows God, kind of. Now throughout the, the chapters, the, throughout the chapter, we see God call Gideon to be a strong leader and to tear down the pagan nations and the deities who are oppressing God's people. Gideon struggles to believe God, that God really has the right person after all, and he even asks for proof. And we see this at the end of chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. Then Gideon said to God, In order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, I am going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry in all of the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed out the fleece, he wrung enough of the dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me. Let me speak one more time. Let me please make a trial with this fleece, just one more. Let it be dry only on the fleece, and on all the ground let there be dew. So again, reversing. Let the fleece be dry, and everything else have dew all over it. And God said, uh, and God did so that night, and it was dry only on the fleece, and all the ground there was dew. So God has already said, hey, I'm with you. I'm going to help you deliver Israel. But Gideon still isn't there yet. He hasn't really believed in himself yet. He does believe in God, and God definitely believes in him and what God can do through him. But Gideon is still questioning. And so God continues to reassure Gideon by impending, giving him that impending victory. But Gideon still has doubts, as I said, and there is a back and forth until they reach the day before the battle is about to take place. And so that's when all this takes place. And so in chapter 7, we see this. God said to Gideon, the troops that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. It's too much of an advantage to you. Israel would only take the credit away from me, saying, my own hand has delivered me. So it's going to be too easy that way. Then the Lord said to Gideon, with 300, so he whittled it down all the way to 300. There was at 10,000 at one time, now all the way down to 300. <coughs> with the 300 that lapped, I will deliver you and give Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. 
<coughs> and so he took the jars of the troops from their hands and the trumpets, and he sent all the rest of the Israel back to their own tents, but retained the 300. The camp of Midian was below them in the valley. That same night the Lord said to him, Get up, attack the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you fear to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to attack the camp. Again, there's kind of trial after trial after trial, and Gideon still isn't confident in what God says that God is going to do. And so I encourage you to go back and read um, chapter 6 and 7 to see how this kind of plays out. But again, we see God leading Gideon through his doubt and granting him reassurance and boldness to carry out the mission that God has given him. Finally, we see Gideon would go on to defeat the Midianites with his relatively small army. And so what I want you to get here is this. You see that Gideon, again, is right in the middle of this cycle. But he is completely unaware of what's going on. And so we have the great advantage, again, as the audience, and thus aware of this larger picture, the larger things that going on at play. And so as we discussed previously, we might, we might not feel like the main character in our own story, our own life story. However, with a deep connection and a trust to God our Father, you can begin to see patterns that emerge in your story. You can see that God has shown up over and over and over again that we continue to sin and fall short over and over and over again. We stand in need all the time, and God is there all the time. And you can see that God continues to provide over and over. God grants mercy and forgiveness and grace many more times than we can ever account and especially more times than we ever deserve. And God doesn't have to prove God's self to us, but in many ways, God does. God shows up throughout human history and in your life when you need it the most. So this pattern that you might see as we maybe take a step back and see that God has shown up over and over and over again, and we fail over and over and over again, we are stuck in this cycle. But the thing is, don't, don't concentrate on that. Because if we concentrate on that, we can, we can see that, man, this is happening to me again. Why is this always happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? And we're asking the wrong questions. But we can concentrate on, on those things, the bad things that keep on happening, or we can see the flip side of that, and we can see that God shows up every single time, and God saves us every single time, and we can concentrate on that cycle. So instead of looking at um, just trial after trial, fall after fall, we can look at grace after grace. We can look at mercy after mercy. We can look at saving after saving when we need it most. So there's two ways to look at every single situation. And maybe we don't see it as a comedy. And maybe from the outside in, maybe God's looking at this like, man, why are you doing this again? Why are you doubting me again? 
I mean, I'm going to have to do this over and over again. And I mean, I could get tired of it, but you know, I see it as kind of funny. Maybe you don't because you're right in the middle of it, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again and again and again. And this pattern that emerges, we can see two different patterns. Maybe we can look at it as, man, this is happening again. This bad thing, this bad thing, this bad thing. Or we can look at it from a different perspective and say, oh, but God is good. And God is good. And God is still good. And God is still there. And we can see it in that pattern that emerges as well. And so we look at this. And we might still ask that question, why am I not the main character in my own story? But here's the thing. Your life, your story, it's just a small detail. Because in reality, this is actually God's story. And we're just characters in it. We're not even the main character. God is a main character. And so it's not, Nancy explains it all. It's not that uh, TV show. It's not life according to Bitsy. It's not that TV show either. And it's not even just simply Joey. It's not that one either. You see, the thing is, this is God's story, and we should see it as such. The main character is God. So whenever we're asking, why am I not the the main character in my own story? Well, it's not even your story. You're just a supporting actor, the big actor. The main character is God. And what we see is that God does it over and over and over again. We fall over and over and over again. God picks us up over and over and over again. Patterns emerge. But the thing is, there is a reason for all of that. And in that, in the midst of whatever cycle that we're in, God continues to call us. God continues to call us out of that and into salvation. God continues to call us out of the muck and the mire and that disappointment and into a better life, into a life with Him. God is always there over and over and over again. We have to respond to what God continues to do in our lives by saying yes. By saying yes. Gideon said yes. He had some doubts. And I like that because it means that he's human. Because I have doubts too. And God can still use me. God can still use you. We saw last week about John Mark. We saw the week before that or the couple of weeks before that about Rahab. They said yes. They said yes to God. And God used that yes and made things happen. Amazing things happened that they couldn't do by themselves. But God is the main character in this story called life. We are simply supporting actors at best. But our role in this, yes, we mess up, and yes, God helps us, but our role in this, our response to all of this, is to say yes. It's to say yes to whatever God calls us to. God has proved God's self over and over and over again. 
And our response can and should be yes. My life is yours, Lord. And we hand everything over to God and we trust God with everything that we have. And we say, yes, I will follow you. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.